Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Ah, bonjour, bonjour. It's a beautiful summer day here in Vermont. I'm so happy to be with you. So, so grateful for our connection, feeling it more and more strongly all the time. I so appreciate anyone who messages me, and a great place to message me is the um, Course in Miracles radio show uh, Facebook group, which I think we're going to be changing the name of it to A Course in Miracles podcast. There you go. So many people refer to the radio show as podcast uh, and uh, because it goes out as a live broadcast every Tuesday, uh, Unity Online Radio, it's actual internet radio, uh, but most people think of it as a podcast because that's how most people listen to it. And speaking of that, we do have two podcasts. I don't think I say this often enough. For those who are iTunes users only, this applies. iTunes only lets us put 300 episodes in. So we have A Course in Miracles and then A Course in Miracles archive. So you can get all of the episodes because we're over 400 episodes now. So, um, yep, that's how it goes. And... uh, Yeah, let's begin with the prayers we always do. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I love to pray. (laughs) So I place my hand in my heart, and I invite you to do the same. We're transcending time and space together, consciously extending love in all directions. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to unprecedented healing and transformation. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the unlimited healing power of love. We are grateful and thankful to come together with the higher Holy Spirit self and to open ourselves to healing and transformation at all levels. We are grateful and thankful to choose to live the love, to walk the talk, to be a healing presence in our life. Yes, we are choosing to be truly helpful, and so we're consciously relinquishing all blocks to love. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, yes, yes. Well, um, the last two episodes were with uh, Kieran J. Gardner. And uh, we'll definitely have a third one. People are already telling me they're looking forward to that third one. Uh her extraordinary journey, her extraordinary beingness. What a gift to have those conversations with her. We had a nice chat after the last um, live radio show. Um, and uh, just what a treasure she is. So I, I would like to give extra special attention to those episodes about healing your body 
with your mind. And so much, those are so rich, those conversations. And uh, I am answering a request. I don't remember who was the main person that requested this topic today, which is about spiritual counseling and A Course in Miracles. And, uh, but people have asked me to talk about it over the years. And, you know, I, I get all kinds of ideas, but I wait till I get that ping from spirit that says, now's the time. So now's the time. I got the ping. <laughs> and, um, so I'm going to give a a, a a a bunch of personal background here for me, as I sometimes do, and people tell me they appreciate it all the time. Uh, I I was living in New York in my twenties. I moved there in 1981 to Manhattan to work at the New York Shakespeare Festival, and. Uh, what I really was interested in was interested in working in the music industry and working with bands on the road, believe it or not, managing bands on the road. That was my dream job back when I moved to New York in 1981. I went to Emerson College in Boston. At that time, there was no way to study the music industry at college. Now there is. But back then, there wasn't. So I studied theater, which I had a great love of theater. And uh, I had worked in the theater and uh, done internship in New York at a theater when I was in high school. And I worked in the theater all through college. Uh, had internships and jobs in the commercial theater in Boston. And I, I love the theater so many ways. And then uh, my brother and I co-authored a play based on a, a book that had won the National Book Award. And the play was called All God's Dangers, true story of an amazing, amazing man who uh, had been a sharecropper, the son of a former slave, and uh, had really been uh, amazingly successful for the son of a slave in Alabama as a sharecropper. And as a result, um, the local white folks, some of them didn't like his success. And uh, when the unions came in to organize, he became a threat to them. And, uh, oh, I'm not going to tell all the details, but it's a story of, in a sense, fighting the law and the law won. Um, but it's also the story of the shift in life in the rural South for someone who his father was a freed slave, you know, and what it was like to grow up in that household and uh, and then to raise his own children in that environment and to make his way as a sharecropper who worked tirelessly, tirelessly to be able to uh, afford things for his family, really put his family first. And all, it's so much about rural life, farming life, uh, things between the races and the discrepancies. And it was a brilliant Storyteller, and I feel honored 
to have been able to bring that play to New York. And um, our it was a one-man show. The um, actor in it was Cleavon Little. And uh, he did a brilliant job. And uh, he really did. He was he was really good in it. He passed away a couple of years after that, and uh, but I had the pleasure of his friendship, and uh, I got to meet a lot of wonderful people and work with a lot of wonderful people on that. And we, my brother and I, uh, produced it. He directed it for uh, American Playhouse, which was on a PBS television series they used to have and bring plays to television. And uh, all of that was a wonderful experience for me. And after that, I retreated to uh, my parents' house in Maine, which they had built as a vacation house and to retire to. And so I lived there by myself for a few years, which was really restorative and healing for me. And then I moved out to California uh, because I was looking for work as a screenwriter. I decided to go to film school. I'd, be, I'd become friends with a, an Academy Award-winning filmmaker in Maine, and he kept encouraging me to go to California, go to film school, which I finally decided to do. And I was in the graduate screenwriting program at USC, which at that time was probably the premier screenwriting program in the world. It's very small group of people. So I was very honored to be in that program and I loved it. And, but when I moved out to LA, I, my mom had said, what are you going to do if you don't get into film school? I said, well, mom, if I don't get into film school, I'm going to go to Unity Village and study to be a minister. That was my plan. And uh, because there weren't that many slots in the program I was applying for. And uh, so I needed to have a backup plan. And by then, I I was uh, going to, I, when I lived in New York, I started going to services at Unity in Manhattan, where they have them, the Sunday services at Lincoln Center with Eric Butterworth. And uh, so he was my first teacher of New Thought and uh, I also did s- s- a number of uh, long weekend retreats with Shakti Gawain. And uh, it was a very, it was a time of things opening up in my mind and moving from this feeling of self-hatred, feeling suicidal. I also worked for Billy Idol's manager for a year. And that was the, like the very end of that was the darkest time of my life. Um, and, uh, so, uh, so I didn't really know about science of mind. Then I went to science of mind one Sunday in Manhattan there, and I forget who the minister was there, but it just was not my thing. And so I went, I stayed at going to the unity services. And then I, when I moved to LA, I immediately started looking for a spiritual community. I had been part of a 
the church community in Maine. I, I had never joined any church, and I didn't join that church either, but I was involved with the youth group there in Maine on the island. And um, even though it was a Christian church, uh, that that was it. There was no, <laughs> no new thought options on the island. And uh, I wished to be a part of a community, so I did that. And then when I moved to L.A., I started looking for a church. I started going to different churches. And I was house-sitting for someone who recommended I go to Agape, which I did and I loved. And uh, started attending services at Agape. And I did that all through graduate school because I did get into graduate school. And then when I was finishing graduate school, I said, okay, now I can take some classes. And so I did. And I started taking the Science of Mind classes back then in the 90s. This is uh, 97, January of 97, I started the um, Science of Mind. Back then it was called Science of Mind 1, 2, 3, 4. And uh, then you go into practitioner training. So that's what I did. And I, I really enjoyed all of that very much. Uh, including the practitioner training. And then uh, I went into the ministerial training, which I enjoyed because of the camaraderie and the conversations. But I found that the curriculum was very intellectual, not for me. It was very, uh, to me, it was very dry and um, just intellectual. It was not heart-based which to me was kind of crazy because I, I felt so much heart in the work of Ernest Holmes. So to be at the Ernest Holmes Institute and have it be this, have no classes on Ernest Holmes, have it be so intellectual and dry uh, was a, a, a disappointment for me. Um, but then I, I, I graduated and uh, basically went off, did my own thing. And then I, a couple of years later, I started my own spiritual community with Sunday services in L.A., which then was called Project Service L.A., and now it's called uh, Inspire, and uh, co-founded by uh, with Jesse Brune, who's still doing that, uh, 10 years later. We started in 2009, and that was a wonderful time in my life working with Jesse and the wonderful people at Inspire. And so that's, and, and then uh, I, I left Inspire because I left LA. And uh, I've been pretty much traveling ever since then. That was in early 2014. And around that time, early 2014, was when I finally started my spiritual counseling certification program to train spiritual counselors. And part of why I did it is because while I'm so grateful for all the training that I had at Agape and um, even grateful for some of the parts uh, that I had at the Holmes Institute, again, always grateful for the camaraderie and the wonderful people that I got to work alongside. I just really felt it was um, 
It was intellectual in its approach and not spiritual, metaphysical, really. Uh, and, and, and it was designed to be an academic program with a master's degree for people who already had a bachelor's degree so that when you graduated from the Holmes Institute, this is what they told us at the time, when you became a minister in a church with a congregation, they would know that their minister was a learned person with a master's degree and has education background. To me, that was never important to me in my minister, uh, that my what I was interested in always from my teachers is that they're inspired, that they are in tune with the infinite, that they are awakening consciousness and all that intellectual stuff is not that interesting to me, which you probably know if you've been listening to this broadcast for some time, I'm really interested in walking the talk, living the love, truly embodying these teachings and keeping it real, keeping it totally real, keeping it very practical and not intellectual, not intellectual, because all the reading and studying that I have done in my life did not heal my mind. And most of it didn't teach me how to heal my mind either. It's being in tune with spirit. That's what has been healing my mind. Cultivating that willingness, that is what has been healing my mind. And so that's why I teach my classes in the way that I do. That's why this broadcast is the way that it is. It's not so much trying to understand A Course in Miracles uh, or even to learn it. It's really to live it, really to live it to that live that practical application in a joyful way so that we can be happy learners and no longer feel trapped in a place we hate <laughs> and feel like, oh, this is not my tribe, these are not my people. Instead, we can move into that place of realizing, yes, I'm here to be truly helpful and I'm glad to be here. So um when I started spiritual counseling, which was when I uh, became licensed as a spiritual practitioner in the agape community. So originally, back then, um, what is now called Centers for Spiritual Living was called, um, gosh, I can't remember what it was called, but the church had a different name. Now it's called Centers for Spiritual Living. And um, so I graduated as a licensed religious science practitioner in 2000, 19 years ago. And I made an agreement with spirit that I, I basically said, look, I, I don't want to sit down with clients and counsel them, but I'd like to be a practitioner because I'd like to serve in the agape community. I'd like to serve in the prayer ministry. I'd like to offer prayer to congregants after services as they uh, did at agape then. I haven't been there in a couple of years, so uh, I don't know what they do now, but I'm sure they'd still do that. Um, 
and I wish to serve in holding vigil during services and to be an active, supportive member of the the community. I was a a choir member for 11 years, uh, which I really dearly loved very much. That was a very prayerful activity and love that agape music, love Ricky Byers, love Michael Beckwith um, and the whole agape community. And my time in that community uh, was precious to me. I learned a lot and I healed a lot. And so when I became a practitioner, I was not interested in sitting with clients. Literally, when I went into the practitioner training in 98, because it's a two-year program, I so it was two years of prep and then two years in um, the practitioner training. And in when I went into the training, I, I said, you know, I, I really don't ever want to sit with clients. The idea of sitting with somebody and listening to them talk about their problems, I would actually pay money to avoid being in that situation. <laughs> I really, that is not for me. I don't want that. Please. Thank you. No. But I made a deal with God that I said, okay, spirit, if you send them, I will, I'll, I'll sit with them as a practitioner and it'll be my joy to do so. But it's not my preference. It's not my heart's desire. I really don't wish to do that. I would avoid that if I could. But if you send them, I'll sit with them. And don't you know, before I even graduated, people started asking me, when can you start doing sessions? So I, I really just I took a sigh. <sighs> okay. Okay, spirit. I am willing. And so I began seeing clients in 2000 when I graduated, November 2000. And um, I was in, in the, there's a sacred ceremony. It's like a day-long ceremony that the agape practitioners do to anoint and welcome the new members of that sacred order of agape spiritual practitioners. So uh, when Reverend we had these uh, spiritual qualities that we uh, were given in a sense, or we chose that we were going to carry for the community and embody for the community. And when the ceremony started, it was pre-dawn and uh, we went, the ceremony, one of the first things that happened in the ceremony when I did it was they had these rocks that had been painted and decorated. And uh, the, my escort said, choose one of these rocks. So I picked up the rock and I had it in my hand. And I was going through the ceremony and went through like two hours of ceremony. And then we were going down the hall into the sanctuary for the next part of the ceremony. And the rock had turned over in my hand. And I saw what I instantly knew was the spiritual quality that I was going to be carrying for the, for the congregation. I didn't know that's what the rock was for because I would have put it back. I would not have taken this rock. Uh, but there was that rock in my hand. And now it said on the non-decorated side, the word responsibility. And my instantaneous thought was to throw it through a window, get it off of me. 
I don't want that. Responsibility, are you kidding me? And then, of course, I thought, well, that's not a spiritual quality. That's a burden. (laughs) So this was before I was studying A Course in Miracles. Now, of course, I know responsibility is liberation. Yes. And I'm so grateful for it. But that was my introduction to responsibility. And uh, I wear it differently now. Ah, my goodness. You know, it's it's already time for the break. And uh, just as we're going to break, I would like to say a big thank you to all the people who write reviews of this radio broadcast, of this podcast. And you can write one too. They, they mean a lot because the more reviews that people write, the more the podcast purveyors share and bring call attention to this podcast. So that's a wonderful thing you can do to support this podcast. Uh, I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and we're talking about spiritual counseling. We're getting to it, (laughs) and A Course in Miracles. So this is how I became a spiritual counselor as a science of mind practitioner, licensed science of mind practitioner. And so when people began asking me if I would see them, I did, and Here's what I found right away, sitting with a client. My vow as a practitioner included to see my clients without having any problems, that the problems weren't real, that they were an illusion, that really, like it says in A Course in Miracles, only love is real. That this is an illusory world. It's not the real world. So don't buy into the problems. And I had studied Phineas Quimby, who I love, and the teachings, his teachings, and and of course, the Ernest Holmes teachings and Goldsmith teachings and what, these wonderful spiritual teachings that are totally in alignment with A Course in Miracles. And so every client that I sat with, this was my opportunity to practice seeing the truth, not buying into the illusion of problems, and to hold my clients in this pure, pristine way. And also to see naturally their beauty and their perfection, because if you see no problems, that's all there is, their beauty and the perfection, the perfect light of love that they are. And so that was my training as a practitioner, and that was my decision when I sat down with each of my clients. That was my aspiration 
And when I first started sitting with clients, sometimes they would come to me with things that were really challenging that I had no understanding of, no practical experience of. Things like people with panic attacks and people with illnesses and all kinds of things that I had no experience with. And in our training, we didn't really have, so two years of training, two years of pre-practitioner training, two years of training, lots of training in prayer. And uh, the, but the practical application of sitting with clients, we didn't have much, very, very little. I, I remember one 20 minute session of sitting with a client. That's, that's what I remember from my training. And so I, I was really, I felt unprepared to actually sit with people. Even though I'd sat and prayed with people and talked with them in the back of the church for five minutes, I had not done 60-minute uh, sessions, 90-minute sessions. And I started off doing 90-minute sessions because that's what I liked doing with my practitioner. It was a 90-minute session because I just felt like that's what it took to really cover it. I don't feel that way anymore, but that's how I felt back then. So I started doing these 90-minute sessions with people, and I was challenged sometimes because I had no idea what to say. Now, as a science of mind practitioner, my job was not to give anybody advice. Nobody needs my advice. I'm there to see their perfection in their wholeness, to pray, to know the truth about them. And this is what is going to be the healing, that the prayer will be the healing. So we pray at the beginning of the session to have a great session and to let there be a, a permanent healing. And then at the end of the session that the healing has happened and it's going to continue. So the prayer does all the work and in the middle is an opportunity for the client to share, to talk, for them to receive love and compassion, and for me to hold the light of truth about them. And so that was my training. That's what I did. And in doing so, I personally experienced so much healing because there's, of course, judgments came up. Clients would be telling me about the things that they're doing and my judgments would come up. And they came up for my healing. Fortunately, I was very aware that my judgments were not true and not helpful. And so that began my really strong practice of saying, I don't need these thoughts. Take them out of my mind so I never think them again. And there are times when I was so uh, kind of sitting with a de like a deer in headlights, my clients are telling me things that they're being challenged by. I have no idea what to say to them. Internally, I would be saying, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, just like that. On the exterior, I looked calm and poised and listening. And fortunately, my clients would talk a great deal, as they still do. It's totally normal and fine. And I would be chanting, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And then at the appropriate time, when it would be time for me to say something or ask something, 
And I wouldn't really have a clue. The clue would arrive and I would know what to say or what to ask. And, and it was helpful. And I learned from that. So I deepened so much in my intuitive skills, in my listening skills, in my communication skills through sitting with my clients. And what I can tell you is I've observed that there are ministers who haven't done much counseling, but they've done a lot of preaching. They don't appear and this is going to be, I could say, my assessment. You could say it's my judgment or opinion. I'd be fine with that. But the sense I have is they generally do not often have as clear an understanding of the patterns of thinking that people have, the mental patterns, and uh, how it is that we are, our beliefs are manifested as our thoughts and our emotions and our physical experience and how we can heal things at the level of the mind, but it's really at the level of the belief system by working at the level of the mind. And as we eliminate the beliefs, and as you probably have heard me say, all beliefs are false. Truth is true. Truth is true for everyone. It applies universally or it's not truth. So uh, I, I began to see early on that my work is to help people expose and eliminate their beliefs and to recognize their beliefs through the patterns of their thinking and their emotions. And so sitting with, I don't know how many clients over the last 19 years, and certainly um, uh, all the folks in Masterful Living and many of the folks in Finding Freedom that I work one-on-one with, and we have such deep, deep sharing in class in the Sacred Circle, my Sacred Circle membership program, all these different outlets that I've been listening to people for decades, almost two decades, I truly have been taught by spirit so much about how our beliefs become our experience and how to shift that. And so folks who haven't done much counseling uh, with folks, I don't perceive that they really know uh, how spirit works a lot of the time in the same way. So it's, it's like the difference between, uh, let's say you'd like to be a great surfer, And so you read all these books about surfing and you watch all these videos about surfing and you listen to podcasts about surfers, but you don't actually do a lot of surfing. It's impossible for you to become a great surfer. So for me, I saw right away, these clients are blessing me as I am blessing them. This, this is so good for both of us. And, uh, and so I changed my mind about spiritual counseling. And then after, uh, I guess, about four years of offering uh, my Masterful Living course 
And five years of offering Finding Freedom, I launched my spiritual counseling certification program because I saw what I see in Masterful Living. It's such a powerful and beautiful community of people. And what happens is people come in and they start healing so rapidly and their families are transforming and there's healing at all levels happening. And it's exciting. You know, it's also very challenging. It's not for the timid, you know. Believe me, doing this work with me, the way we do it in our Massive Living community, this is not for everyone. This is not for the timid. It's really people who are saying, okay, I'm ready to roll up my spiritual sleeves. And they do. And they have remarkable results. And they have tremendous courage and strength. And they naturally start helping each other. And we have prayer partnerships. And we have our mastery circles, our small groups and our community calls and, you know, all these different components of the program to build the community. And what happens then is people wish to stay in year after year after year. So they go from year one to year two. And then in year two, they become facilitators for the year one community. And they continue on that. And it's so interesting to see, because sometimes I'll say to somebody, I think you'd really make a great facilitator. And they'd say, oh, no, no, not me. I oh, I don't think I have what it takes. I'm like, yeah, I, I do. And don't, don't feel you need to or you have to. But if you'd like to, I'd love to support you in doing that. You know, and so then they step into facilitation and they get tons of support and become a co-facilitator. And, and then, they, and then uh, sometimes they really get ignited or they already know when they come in Masterful Living because they're already life coaches and um, therapists and things like that. But they get ignited about spiritual counseling. And doing more. And, and maybe, maybe maybe I'd like to set the goal that in a couple of years I'll retire from my job or I'll quit my job and I'll become a full-time spiritual counselor. I'll become a part-time spiritual counselor. I'd like to lead workshops on this, on this, you know, on, on parenting, on uh, healing, on what, whatever it is. Uh, and what I found is it was so challenging for me, so intensely challenging for me to uh, build my business as a counselor and as a teacher and start one ministry and then a second ministry and doing so much on my own that now at the Power of Love Ministry, we have a whole team and we, we do it through a combination of the fees from the classes and the donations, and we're able to offer so many free classes. We're getting ready to roll out a whole new series of free classes and, of course, this radio podcast and um, all these wonderful things. And more and more people from the Masterful Living community are stepping up and they are teaching. And I was uh, listening to a meeting of some of the folks who are stepping up and doing this work more and more. And I just started to cry because this is what spirit guided me to. I'm going to start crying now. This is what spirit guided me to. I had no idea how to do it. 
I didn't. But I had a willingness. And what I would like to do with my life is to support those people who have a willingness to be the most loving person they can be, the most generous, the most kind, the most gentle, the most dynamic person they can be. I would like to support those people in following their heart, wherever it leads them. It doesn't have to lead them into ministry or spiritual counseling or prayer practitioner, but I am developing those programs all the time. And what, what I uh, would like to really, what we are creating, what I'd like to create, and I, I am creating with the help of this wonderful Masterful Living community, is this group of like-minded souls who are so generous, and they are teachers of God. They really are teachers of God. And a teacher of God is anyone who's had an experience where they recognize the unity of all life in an instant, one time. That, that turns you into a teacher of God, that you recognize that maybe it's you're playing with your grandchild or your, your friend or you're just connected in some way and you realize that your needs are not separate from theirs. You are not separate from them. You're united, and you can feel that. It's real. That is what anoints a teacher of God. And Jesus is really asking us in A Course of Miracles to step forward in this way and to, to declare it. And one of the th- I read started reading A Course of Miracles in 2006, Uh, So I was already, uh, I was just finishing my ministerial studies at that time. And I loved when I read in the Manual for Teachers where it says in in Chapter 2, who are their pupils? It says, right in the beginning, certain pupils have been assigned to each of God's teachers and they will begin to look for him as soon as he has answered the call. They were chosen for him because the form of the universal curriculum that he will teach is best for them in view of their level of understanding. His pupils have been waiting for him for his coming is certain. Again, it is only a matter of time. Once he has chosen to fulfill his role, they are ready to fulfill theirs. Time waits on his choice, but not on whom he will serve. When he is ready to learn, the opportunities to teach will be provided for him. And that's what I had been experiencing when I first read that. It was such a relief to me because I I was really struggling and thinking, how am I ever going to do this? How am I ever going to build a ministry that could even just pay my bills? How can that even happen? I don't know. I don't know. That's how I felt like, oh, gosh, this is big, Spirit. How am I going to do this? And Once I read that, then I knew, oh, I don't have to do this like that. All I have to do is remember the 
teaching of Jesus when he walked the earth, when he said, if I be lifted up, I draw all unto me. And so I put my attention on that, and I decided to make that my full focus, clearing my mind, clearing my heart, eliminating the beliefs, and really going all in for my own awakening, my own spiritual growth. And that's what I did, and that is when everything began to shift and change. The other thing is, as I stopped saying no to spirit, I stopped saying, you know, it wasn't, it was gradual. It was not, <laughs> I still had so much resistance and reluctance. I prayed for years to release my resistance and reluctance and to cultivate humility, cultivate humility so that I could be an effective teacher of God. And what I started to hear more and more as people would say things to me like, you know, I've heard people say this or that a thousand times. And I thought I knew what it meant. But Jennifer, when you said it today, I went, oh, now I get it. And I realized that that was because I was getting it and not just saying it, not just thinking I understood it, but I was actually living it. And that's why the I have our website is called Living A Course of Miracles. That's why I do the Living A Course of Miracles classes. That's why I talk about walking the talk and living the love. Because that's where all the difference is. We can say all this stuff and talk and talk and read and read, but none of that heals what heals is the living of it, the embodiment of it, keeping it real. Real meaning it's our daily activity as well as keeping it real, bringing heaven to our experience. Eliminating the hell, revealing the heaven. So... It's been my joy to train spiritual counselors. I've been doing it for five years now, and I'm certifying spiritual counselors. And the program has got the most wonderful people in it, and they're doing the most beautiful work. It is really exceptional. And I'm so grateful to have their companionship on this road, to be on this journey with them, and to feel the impact of them in my life and in this Masterful Living community. And uh, I'm going to invite some of them to come and share next week about their journey, because you may be just like them and like me, that because we're all called. This is what Jesus teaches us. We're all called, maybe not to spiritual counseling. Maybe it's to teaching, but spiritual counseling is an avenue for teaching. It is. It was for me. I was already teaching before I became a spiritual counselor. I was teaching uh, creativity and writing. I was teaching writing classes and workshops. And I was teaching the artist's way. Uh, but once I became a counselor, I, my whole mind opened up so much. And this is what I've seen for the people in my counseling certification program. 
I also will say that one of the things I've seen so much of, particularly when I lived in L.A., was so many talented practitioners, acupuncturists and coaches and um, spiritual teachers, spiritual counselors, all kinds of wonderful practitioners, people who have great talent, who hiding their light under a bushel. You're just eking out a living, struggling. Many people, wonderful massage therapists and, and so many talented people, so many different skills, yoga teachers. I'm trying to remember some of them now. Just people with uh, exceptional skills as teachers and things like that. But they don't feel confident and they don't feel qualified. And they don't know exactly why. So they keep gathering more information about their chosen profession. But it doesn't really build their confidence. It doesn't really make them feel more qualified. On paper, yes, but not in their heart. And what I have seen is that I, I know how I became confident and qualified in my heart. And so those pieces are encoded into the Masterful Living curriculum. They're encoded into the my certification program and, and the things that I'm teaching so that people are really developing these skills and sharing them. And I I truly invite you to take a look at what we're doing if it calls to you. Because Jesus makes it clear in A Course of Miracles, he would like our help. More and more teachers of God blossoming, blooming, answering the call. And I'd like to support that. So uh, we have components of the program that people are going to feel confident and qualified. They are. And they're going to feel excited and on fire. And that's, that's what I'd like to share with you. And by the way, I have three events coming up in the fall. I have the Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive, and I have the How to Lead and Create a Workshop, which includes certification for uh, leading my Forgive and Be Free workshop. Also, the Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive is part of my certification program. So people do it as a standalone all the time. People come with no prerequisites, no prior experience to both of these trainings. Uh, either of them are open. They're both open to anyone at any level. We all play together. We all help each other. It's an amazing, fun, fun time. It's one of my absolute favorite things to do. I invite you to check it out at jenniferhadley.com on the events page. And then also in September is my Recovering from Sexual Abuse small group retreat. We have a few slots left for that. All right. Well, it's already time for me to pray. Pray us out here. And more to come. I'll be sharing more. I love you. So grateful and thankful to take this breath. Love and gratitude is our way. We are grateful to share the benefits of our healing with everyone. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah!